welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. Once again, it's good to be with you. Um, man, spending time together as a family is so good. Don't you agree? Yeah. Well, today we are in part two of this series. It's a three-part series uh, called Unspoken. So I do want you to think of this series as literally three parts, not three individual messages, but three parts uh, to really go into this journey of the unspoken, often forgotten, hidden, kind of scared versions of, uh, of you and me. Uh, and God wants to reveal more to us about what's under the surface. So uh, this is a mini-series, right? Everybody likes a good mini-series. And so I said this last week, but I believe this. I believe that the best version of you, check this out, the best version of you is unlocked when the unspoken things that live under the surface of your life come out of hiding shame, fear, and confusion, and you speak them to God and to others. I believe that wholeheartedly, amen? Are you guys ready to go today? If you're ready to go, say, I'm ready. All right, today's message is titled Under the Surface. We want to help you think about the things that are under the surface, which most of us don't like to think about, talk about those things under the surface to God, to others, to anyone, even to ourselves. But we know that there's a lot of good things, there's a lot of maybe bad things, maybe a lot of things in the middle that are shoved deep down into the recesses of our soul. And we want to talk about it a little bit. So here's what I already know. I know, I know this is church, and you can come to church to talk about things that you don't want to talk about right? This is not a therapy session. I get that. However, uh, when we come to church, what we typically think our, prior, our, our you know, what, our, what we're going to do when we come here is we're going we're gonna to show up, we're going to sit down, and we're going to smile, right? Like that's what we do. And who doesn't like a good smile, right? Look at your neighbor and smile. We all like to smile. But listen, how many know that we need to go deeper than that today? You guys want to go a little deeper than that today? Look at your neighbor now and say, go deeper. I want you to look at your other neighbor and say it like you mean it because that was pretty weak. Say, go deeper. Go deeper. Now, a lot of you are like, hey, Tim, that's your job. You're supposed to go really deep in the scriptures and then stay really on the surface of my life. Well, we're not going to do that today, right? I'm just saying we're all in this together. We're all going to go deeper. You all with me? Lately, my kids have been saying to me, um, especially my 16-year-old, Karis, she's the one that says this the most, when I say something sort of in an unnecessary, serious dad tone. It's still, it's, still, uh, it's still kind of on the mic note, just so you know back there, it's still kind of booming up here. I don't know if you can hear back there. Sorry to do that. Sorry to do that. My kids say to me, though, uh, I get sometimes in a serious dad tone, and usually when you get in a dad tone, you guys know what a dad tone is, right? It's when a dad wants to impart life wisdom to their children. So you get in a dad tone, and then they'll say back to me, it's not that deep. It's not that deep, Dad. Anybody else ever said that before? It's not that deep? It's not that deep? Yeah, probably all Gen Zers. Well, this is, the best, this is the best way to dismantle anyone's argument at any point. So whenever you're online and you see someone arguing about the dumbest things and you're like, why are they doing that? Why are they getting all heated? I got a, I got a meme for you. You can just put this up there. You could just say, look, fam, it's not that deep. It's not that deep. So when you see someone getting totally angry at someone else that they don't know online that posts something that they don't agree with politically, you just put this in there. Hey, look, fam, it's not that deep. 
You know, when someone's all up in the air about Benefers back together, it's not that deep. Someone's blot a blog post. They spent four hours to just really break down and give you an analysis of a Apple versus Android. I'm just telling you, it's not that deep. Let it go. Hey, sometimes it just tests me. We all know that goes real deep. That goes real deep. Well, listen, in my best dad tone today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of say this. Like, here's the thing. Some things aren't that deep. We get that. And we shouldn't go that deep on them. But sometimes we take the posture that we don't want to go deep on anything. And so we cling to the surface of things because anybody know the person that doesn't like to go deep? Maybe you're like, mm, yeah, me. <laughs> Look, fan, in my, in, in my best dad tone today, let's go deep. Let's go deep today. I hope you want to go deep. I know most of us like sermons with a lot of funny stories and warm fuzzies. Don't get me wrong. I like the fun and fuzzy stuff too. But I know for us, if we want to go deep with the Father, like that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church that knows how to go deep in prayer, deep in worship, in over our head in the presence of the Father. That's where we'll experience the true power of God in our lives. It's when we, are, we will start to taste renewal and God's breakthrough for healing and, and to raise up and to cast, up, cast out. That's when we know when we're in the deep. Who wants to go and experience the deep things of God, right? I want to remind you very quickly, in case you did miss last week or you just need a refresher, where we started last week, I showed you uh, this tool called the Jahari Window. The Jahari window. Everyone say Jahari. Jahari. Now, this is a vulnerability tool about your life. And per usual, we're talking about your life. That's what we're doing today. And if you remember what these four rep windows represent, I'll quickly remind you. But there's four windows. The first one is known, meaning it's known to you and to others. Everyone knows about it. And so, for example, I have four kids. A lot of you already knew that. But if you didn't, now you know now. And that's in the known category about me. It's public knowledge. There's also the hidden window, right? These are the things that are known to you, but not known to others. These are the things that we hide from others, usually intentionally so. These are the things that are about our past or about maybe things we were not, we're ashamed of that we don't want anybody to know about, so we hide them from everybody else, right? Another window is this blind window. These are the blind spots. These are, these are things that are known to others, but not known to you. How many know that sometimes you got, you know, you got like spinach or broccoli stuck in your teeth and you don't know about it, but they know about it. And it's really helpful when they tell you sometimes a little embarrassing, but Hey, we all need, we all need to be told when there's something that's a blind spot in our life. And then the final window is the, is the unknown window. Now these are the unknown things to others and unknown to you. We would call this category, the space of the, the things that we are we are able to discover with God. And so God has this whole category of unknown things about our life. Other people don't know about it, you don't know about it, but guess what? There is this opportunity to discover them. And so here's the, ne the next slide. Here's the beauty of this, because this is about the power of vulnerability. Whenever you start to be vulnerable and share the hidden parts of your life, not only to God, but to others, it starts to push the boundaries of what's known and limit what's hidden. And when you start to ask other people for feedback about the blind spots of your life and you're vulnerable in that, it starts to push blind back and, and it starts to open up known. But really the beauty of it is you start to see this unknown category down here start to open up in your life. You start to discover new things that you didn't know about yourself and about 
your creator. And so as we're more vulnerable and we make more things known and more things no longer unspoken and hidden into the recesses of our soul, but they start to come out and to come alive in us, we start to experience the unknown uh, qualities and realities of the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. See, this is what's happening. And so we, we boiled last week down to two questions. I know you typically don't review last week. I get that. But two questions we talked about last week to begin this inner journey with the unspoken things of our life. And this was the question. What are you not saying to God that you need to say to him? And who do you need to share that with? Those are the two big questions. And then I gave you some prompts, 10 possible things that you, mean, you may need to say to God. And they were just simply this. And I'm not getting into this deep, but it's like, Maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry for. God, I'm angry about. God, I'm frustrated about. Because frustrated is a Christian word for angry. God, I'm doubtful because. God, I'm tired of. God, I need help with. God, I'm afraid of. God, I'm, t I'm feeling this. God, I wonder about. God, I'm thankful for. Maybe there's something in that that you're like, I need to say that to God. I haven't been saying it to him. I was talking with, with Chad who goes here to our church and he was telling me just yesterday about how he's been taking those 10 things and he's been praying with them and thinking on them and he's been allowing those things to sit in his heart this week and I love that I think that's that's a beautiful thing when we start to really understand what are the prayers and the confessions that I need to say to God and say to others in my life so that's where we left off so to keep going under the surface to go a little deeper with this whole idea of unspoken I have a key scripture that I want us to to look at and consider today and I want to go deep with it and it's Matthew 16 verse 26 I want to go deep with that one verse but we need to get a little bit of context so I'll start in verse 21 so this is Matthew 16 starting at verse 21 Jesus is with his disciples he's turning the corner of his ministry he's telling them about his coming death and this is where we'll pick it up he says from then on Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But, T but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, you probably read this or heard this scripture before. It says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, that is fear talking. That is the enemy speaking through you. You need to get behind me, Satan. And he says, you, see, you are seeing things from merely a human point of view, not from God's. How many know that the human point of view can often be summarized as it's not that deep? Jesus is saying you have to go deeper, right? You gotta go deeper with this. You gotta understand more. This is what he's saying to the disciples. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then here's verse 26. What good is it or excuse me, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So this passage is one of the deepest, most profound callings that Jesus made to his followers. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it. He says, but if you'll give up your own way, 
If you'll, if, you'll, if you'll essentially walk away from the things that you think the world wants you to do, if you'll walk away and you'll follow my ways, you will save your life. He's saying, Jesus is saying, you've got to follow me in all of my ways. He is, as he says in another passage, right? The way, the truth, and the life. Meaning all other ways of life will fail. But I want us to look, like I said, at verse 26. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I felt like the Spirit led me to this passage this week. I wouldn't plan on speaking on this particular verse, but it just really, the Spirit led me to it, and I started to sit with this scripture. And I felt like the Lord showed me a picture of this passage, really an illustration to sort of see this passage in a unique way and to demonstrate what's going on in Matthew 16, 26. And so we actually kind of created, up, created an image that I want to show you. It's like an illustration. We're going to call it living on the surface. All right, everybody say living on the surface. Let me explain it. Imagine, imagine your life being represented, represented by this boat. All right? You have a boat and it floats. Praise God. Right? And you are able to live and explore life. You can sail from places like Target, Starbucks, maybe take a weekend trip to Dallas. I don't know. You can dock this boat in harbors. You can jump out of the boat. You can swim in the water. But the surface of the water and the land that you explore is the world we know. That's why it says the world. It's on the surface. And the surface is where we live. And under the water line, and under the surface is what we're going to call the soul today. So Jesus is saying, what good is it to gain the whole world, the whole wide world, right? He says, the world, I think we could summarize it as this, is experienced in the surface of things like consuming and accumulating and going and producing and working and pursuing like, hey, I want a greater influence, or I want to gain fortunes, or I want to meet, see the amazing things of the world. And here's the thing about the surface of things. The surface is actually quite amazing. I mean, have you seen the Rockies? <laughs> have you seen Niagara Falls? Have you seen Hawaii? You know what I'm talking about? Have you, have, you, have you been successful at something? Have you tasted really, really good food? Are you all with me? Like when you, those things on the surface are not bad. They're actually pretty good, aren't they? They're actually great. And here's what I think is interesting about it is the surface isn't bad. It's actually amazing. It might be what we call the natural world. And God calls those things good too, because God actually created the surface too. The surface of the things aren't absent of God. They're just where God starts things off. Hmm. So this whole notion of, well, we need to dismiss surfacey things. No, no, no. God actually created the surfacey things to catch our attention. He likes the surfacey things. But here's the thing. We don't just need to like the surfacey things. We need to like the deep things, too. If you've ever seen the popular documentary series, Planet Earth, or Blue Planet, or Our Planet, you know the, you know the British dude, David Attenborough, he's talking about our Earth, and he says, you know, the this earth that we call heaven. You guys know what I'm talking about now? Right. Well, in those documentaries, what you'll find out is there's a lot of really cool things about planet earth, a lot of things that are pretty amazing about what's on the surface of our planet. But if you ever watch one about the ocean, the scientists will quickly say, we hardly know anything about the ocean. 
We know nothing about it. It's like, really? Okay, why'd you make a documentary? Well, they just want to tell you, make a documentary to tell you how vast the ocean is. Check this out. I have a few deep ocean facts for you. Number one, 70% of the world's surface is covered by oceans. You could say that most of even the surfacey things have the potential for a lot of depth. Hmm. The ocean contains, number two, the ocean contains 99% of inhabitable space in the world. What? I think that's crazy. I thought I would hear a lot of what's. Number three, only 20% of the global seafloor has even been mapped. Only 5% of the ocean has been charted by humans. Scientists estimate up to one million species live in the ocean, but only a third have been identified. 2,000 new species are discovered every year. Now, here we go. That's what I was saying. See, the truth is I have a, a love-hate relationship with the ocean. I don't know if you have this. I, I go to the ocean and I love the idea of it. I'm like, man, it's going to be good. Beach vibes. It's, it's basking in the sun, catching a few waves on my boogie board, whatever, right? Then I go to the ocean. Then I go to the ocean and it's a different story. Last summer, our family went to the ocean for seven days and all seven days there was a purple flag waving on that beach. If you know what that means, it means marine life. Don't get in the water. Seven days, I just looked at the ocean. <laughs> and I would see stingrays, hundreds of them, like coming in on the waves that I was supposed to be boogie boarding on. And I was like, man, why does this always happen? I'm like, I'm ready to go to the, I'm ready to go to the ocean, but it's love-hate, right? I love the idea of going to the beach, but seemingly every time I go, something happens. There's either like some sort of sea monster under the water, or there's like, you know, waves that are just gonna kill you if you go out there because the wind is so strong. So I don't know, I don't know what it is about it, but the sun starts pounding down on you, right? And you just like, I just got baked, or maybe not baked, but burned. <laughs> so the, guys, we're on a clock, yo, I gotta go. The, <clears throat> the ocean is a perfect analogy for the soul. In all of its ruggedness, in all of its mystery, consider this. I think it's appropriate to say that the soul inhabits 99% of potential life. Yet, we've only explored maybe 5% of it. So let's go back to this living on the surface image here, right? It's important to point something out, that the soul comes into contact with the surface, doesn't it? It's not... It's not the soul, like where the water line is, it comes in contact with what we call the world. It comes into contact with the surface. So we're not unfamiliar with the soul. We have some experience with it. We like to get in the water. We like to play. But most of the time, we like to just kind of keep it shallow, right? We're like, give me some arm floaties. Give me an alligator, you know, air mattress, something. We want to stay at the surface. We don't want to go too deep, too fast. But I want you to consider Matthew 6, uh, 16, 26 again. He says, what good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very soul? So what's the point? What am I trying to say? My point is that we can't just play in the water, but we got to learn how to scuba dive with Jesus, all right? I'm going to be a little cheesy. Just stay with me for a minute, because this image, I think, is actually pretty powerful. We have to go deeper. We have to know where we have to deep dive in life. And so listen, 
Here's what I know. I know that there are things that stop us from said scuba diving with Jesus. There are things that keep us on the surface. Everybody likes the idea of going deep, but nobody really wants to go deep. We prefer the surface. What keeps us on the surface? Maybe we're afraid. Anybody else say the ocean freaks you out? And that, that blows me. Yeah, it freaks us out. Maybe we're really afraid of the unmapped territory of our soul. Perhaps we feel like, man, there's, there's something under the water that's going to hurt me. Some sort of creature, some sort of shark down there to get me. Whatever the reason that stops us from getting in the water, it's, it's, it's the same thing. I'm simply describing fear. Most of us are pretty afraid to go deep, to go much deeper. And we talk about fear in the church a lot. There's a lot of sermons on fear because fear is the biggest faith killer that the enemy will use in your life. Nothing stops love like fear. Nothing stops doing things that matter like fear. Nothing stops your calling like fear. Nothing will stop this church like fear. Fear will stop it more than anything else. I mean, you might say sin. Okay, yeah, sin and fear, have a, a, they're pretty good friends, just so you know. They like to hang out. Yet God clearly says through his scripture, I've said this so many times, he says it 365 times, he says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And then famously, in one of my favorite passages in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. See, here's the thing. God has equipped us with the spirit of power. Everyone say power. But I don't know if we know how to live with that power. Because if, instead of power over the fears in our life, we normalize our fears so that we can live with them. So what we do is we think, oh yeah, I'm really afraid of rejection and I don't really wanna be rejected again, so I'll just avoid opportunities where I might get rejected. I'll just normalize the fear and, I'll, and I'll, I won't overcome the fear, I'll just adapt to the fear. And so the fear stays with me, I just avoid the fear. So we normalize our fears instead of overcoming them. So we let that monster live deep under the surface and we just say, oh, I'll just go over here with my boat. <laughs> And I'll stay on the surface of things and I'll pursue gaining the whole world while I forfeit my soul. Jesus wants to liberate us from our fears for a deeper, more powerful life. You see, we, the fears we have are keeping us from the spirit of power that God wants to give us. He wants to invite us into deep waters. This is what Jesus does all the time. Think about the story of Peter. Remember the story in Luke 5? First encounter Peter and Jesus had that we know about. Jesus shows up and he says, hey, Peter, why don't you take your boat out into the deep water, drop your nets into the deep water. That's where the fish are going to be. And Peter's like, I was just, no, I, I fish in the shallows. That's where you catch the fish. He's like, I'm sure he's like, bro, there's going to be no fish there. But for whatever reason, he has, was intrigued enough with who Jesus was that he decided to, to take his boat out into the deep water. And then he dropped his nets into the deep water where there shouldn't have been anything. 
And it says in that moment, there was such a miraculous catch, one like they had never seen before. It was coming in, the, the nets were breaking. Peter freaks out. Peter gets out of the boat, comes and falls on his knees in front of Jesus. He's like, Jesus, I am not worthy of you. You must be the Lord. You must be the Messiah. And, and, and what does Jesus say? He says, hey, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow me. And so Peter, get this, loses his life. He quits hanging on to his life. He drops it. And in so many words, takes up his cross and follows Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? He says, but go to the deep. Jesus is calling us to the deep. And I want you to know that there is no, for those of us who might need to hear this, the feeling of fear is not a sin. We can feel fear. We might have fear. We just can't let fear have us. Fear, though, can do something for us. That's where the feeling of fear can actually be something that's a signal for us. Fear can actually serve as your signal of where God wants to move in your life, where he wants you to go deeper. Imagine a buoy out in the water, and it's like, hey, it's right here. This is where fear is. The things that we fear are the places God has new work for us that he wants us to do. I want you to hear this. Let me say it this way. Sometimes what we fear the most is exactly what God will use to rescue us from the malaise of living on the surface. What we fear the most is what God uses to rescue us from living on the surface. So if you're afraid of God's power, if you're afraid of praying, God, heal me, maybe that's exactly where you dive deep. If you're like, God, I don't know what to do with my future. Instead of avoiding it, maybe it's where you actually go when you start praying, God, I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna seek out your truth. A lot of us, we think we have God's power with us, we think we're good with fear, but yet, and so what it looks like is we're sitting on a boat, right? And we're all in our scuba gear, acting like we're gonna go dive, dive in deep with Jesus, but then we sit there and we never dive in. We look like a very mature, very seasoned scuba diver, but we never get wet. Could it be that fear is actually causing you to forfeit your soul? For most of us, it's safe ground to go try and gain the whole world. But it's scary to, uh, to explore, once again, the unmapped areas of our soul. You know, <clears throat> I was thinking about the fact that we are spiritual beings, aren't we not? We, we're spiritual beings created by the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the creator of the universe. We are invited and we are given uh, to, to share in the inheritance of Christ Jesus. That's pretty profound, right? Yet, all, with all that, we still, right alongside it, we doubt that we have the power to overcome fear. What a, what a strange, strange dichotomy we have. And the story in the Gospels of the rich young ruler is a really, really great example of this. A young, accomplished, wealthy young man. He comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to get to heaven? And of course, Jesus says, oh, well, you got to keep the commandments. You got to obey me. And the, and the guy says, well, I've been doing all those things since I was a boy. I've obeyed, I've obeyed all 10 commandments. He's like, yeah, yeah, but there's still one thing you lack. And this is what he says, Matthew 19, verse 20 says, 21. Jesus says, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. See, Jesus was reorienting what he thought treasure was, by the way. 
then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth, or we might say earthly treasure. He was literally unwilling to trade in the surface for the deep. He settled for the 1% instead of the possibility of the 99. Because he was, why, why do you think he walked away sad? I'm telling you, it's because he was afraid. He was afraid of losing what he had. He was afraid of what other people would think of him. He was afraid that people would think he's crazy. He was afraid, what if I become poor? He was afraid, what if I become irrelevant and insignificant? What if I give away all of my money and I'm a nobody? I don't understand why he would call me to do that sort of thing. I don't trust the 99%. I'm gonna continue to cling to the surface of things and the things that I understand. You understand? It's fear that kept him. How many of us have done this in life, right? God calls us to something. God calls us out. He calls us into the deep. And we go, God, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid of what might happen to our career. We wonder, what about him? What about her? We wonder, what about my house that I want to get someday? We, we have all these fears that start coming at us anytime God calls us out to do something. That's a challenge that pulls us off of the surface and into the deep. We go, whoa, 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 whoa. Last Sunday, I gave you 10 things that you might need to say to God. For today, I have a very similar inner journey experience. I have a list of fears. And obviously, when I say fears, I'm talking about the kind of fears that trade in the 99% for the 1%. Because remember, the biggest, the biggest faith killer that the enemy will use is fear. So I've, I've kind of categorized them into four areas of fear. Maybe you can call these like the four, you know, the big sharks under the water, right? They're the sea creatures that scare us. These are our four primary fears that I, I believe we all live with. And uh, a number of similar fears are attached to these four, but these are kind of our anchor fears. So I'll kind of go through these one at a time, but maybe we could say I'm afraid of, right? Like maybe this is, this is confession, right? I'm afraid of. And the first one is just this. I'm afraid of rejection. There's a lot of smaller fears that are attached underneath that, right? I'm afraid of what others think of me. I'm afraid of being judged. I'm afraid of being exposed, like imposter syndrome, right? Like I don't belong. I'm afraid of being alone. These are all forms of re rejection. I'm afraid of these things. No one likes to be rejected. Some of the greatest pain points in my life were moments when I've experienced some form of rejection. And some rejection is very, very painful, but some rejection actually just comes with the territory of following Jesus. You know, there's going to be things that we get rejected for because we claim Jesus in this world. And, and, and that's, that's a difficult thing, but we have to overcome this fear by, by, by finding our esteem and our worth and our identity in Christ Jesus. The second fear that so many of us deal with is I'm afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of what's happening in our world and country. I've heard that so much lately. I'm afraid of, I don't know what's going to happen. What's, what's, what's the future look for, for my kids? I'm afraid of, of change. I'm afraid of big decisions. We get stuck on these decisions and we're just like, I don't even know what to do. And we just stop and we stall and we, and we get paralyzed in the moment, with, gripped with fear. We fear what we don't know. We ask ourselves, if I step out, what will happen to me? If I take the step down this road, I don't know where I'll end up. The fear of not knowing of what lies ahead often causes 
just a big old backup in your life where everything just kind of, it's almost like a car, a 50-foot car pileup just happens in your life because you get stuck. The third fear, again, anchor fears, ones that most of us deal with in some form or fashion is I'm afraid of losing something. We don't say it that way, but we say, maybe we constantly worried about, what about my job? Am I gonna lose my job? Or are we worried about, what if she leaves me? Or what if he leaves me? What if I lose my kids? What if I lose my money? What if, what if this all goes up in smoke? What, what happens? We're afraid of losing what we have. And so we have this deep need for security in our life and we're constantly worried about it and anxious about it, afraid of it. And I just wanna tell you, if you do what God calls you to do, Jesus says, if you're not willing to lose your life for my sake, well, you're going to end up losing everything anyway. And so I'm just like, wow, like I'm afraid of losing something. But Jesus actually said right there in his word, he says, quit hanging on to your life. Be willing to lose your life for my sake, and then you'll actually save it. And then the fourth fear is I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of insignificance. I'm afraid of taking risks. I'm afraid of disappointing others. And this is really deep for a lot of us. We, we, we're afraid of, you know, what if I fail of what everybody expects of me? And so as a way to avoid that fear, we run away from risk. We want to run away from opportunities to step into uncharted territory, or the callings that God's called us to, because we just feel like, I don't want to fail at it, so I'll just act like I was never even called to it. And so that fear grips us, stops us, and prevents us from the things that God has called us to. You see, other fears exist, but I, I do believe that most fears are connected to one of these four anchor fears. And chances are you're probably submitting to one of these, and it's telling you what to do, and it's telling you where to go and where to not go. And it's ultimately determining who you are becoming. Because this is about your life. And we want to get deeper. We want to go deeper under the surface because inside of you, deep inside of you, there is something that you have the responsibility to become. It's everything God created you to be. He wants you to be that person. I want to go back to this next picture. I want you to imagine, imagine that there's a buoy in the water. All right? There's a buoy out there in that water. And it's on the surface, and we think that buoy, this is how we treat fear. We think that buoy is a warning. It's telling us where not to go. Danger right here. So we avoid it. We go the other way. Because underneath that buoy is something dangerous, it's something scary, it's something you don't want to deal with. But what if that buoy is actually set there by the Lord to say, hey, it's like a flashing signal, it's a light flash, you say, come right here, this is the spot to dive deep. This is where you need to come in, you put the gear on, you need to go down because I have something for you because I want you to go under the surface and I want you to slay that giant in your life. I want you to take it out, I want you to go kick fear in the face. I want you to come and discover the power that you really have in Christ Jesus. God says, do not fear, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I have put the spirit of power on you and in you. Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid of rejection. I've already accepted you inside and out exactly the way you are. Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid of the unknown. I am the author of the unknown. I am Jehovah Jireh. I will provide for you and I will see you all the days of your life. Do you understand that? Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid of losing something because that treasure that you're holding on to, that you're clinging to, it pales in comparison. It scratches the surface of what I have prepared for those who love me. 
He says, listen, you don't have to be, Jesus says, you don't have to be afraid of failing because in Christ Jesus, you've already won. You have victory in Jesus. You don't have to worry about it. And every, every little failure you have in life, God says, you know what, those little things, I'm gonna use those things to form you, to shape you, to make you better. And guess what? In every one of those things, I will turn the intent that the enemy had for evil, I will turn it on its head and make it good. So whenever you see failure, whenever you see trial, whenever you see struggle, you just get to say, oh God, thank you for this. You're about to make me better. I praise you, I take it in and I walk with you because I don't hang on to that life of a surface life that's just about gaining the world. But I, I go on and I pursue the life that does not forfeit my soul, but it clings to the treasures that I have, not only in heaven, but I get to pray heaven to earth right now in the present to believe that God has more for me. You have one job in life. It's the relentless pursuit of who God has created you to be. And you have to understand that who you are created to be is way bigger than you think. It's way deeper than you think. You haven't yet discovered it. It's the 5% the of the soul that you've explored. Guess what? Guess what, the 95% that's still out there waiting for you, that's where you get to discover the unknown mysteries of God's purpose and his plan and his love for you. He's got so much more more for you, but it comes through the power of vulnerability. Are you willing to be known? Are you willing to share the hidden parts of your life? Are you willing to say, God, I wanna learn. Teach me what I need to know. Show me me, God, because I know I haven't got it figured out yet. I'm living on the surface, but I wanna go deep, God. I wanna go deep, God. So this is all leading to a key question today. What is the fear under the surface stopping you from going deeper with Jesus? What is the fear under the surface stopping you from going deeper to Jesus? Speak it to God and share about it with someone you trust. Maybe that's a friend, maybe that's a, a pastor, maybe that's a, maybe that's, maybe you were in counseling or you were in therapy and, and all those things are great, but go and share it. Wherever you need to share it, exercise the power of vulnerability because I know the best version of you is unlocked when the unspoken things that live under the surface of your life come out of hiding, shame, fear, and confusion. And we speak those things to God and to others. That's when it starts to come to life. That's when God can release his breakthrough, give you the healing you want, the miraculous works that you need in your life, the things you wanna see him do. So though, <clears throat> where does this begin? I, I, I know I gotta be done. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. You, that'll help me get off the stage. You know where this begins? It begins by being vulnerable with God and others. It begins like this. It says, hello, my name is Tim, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid, and I've allowed fear to stop me from becoming the person I need to become. You know, I've realized that one of my biggest fears in life, this is real, one of my biggest fears in life is rejection. I hate to admit it, I'm a little embarrassed about it. I'm being serious, like it seems really stupid. But I'm afraid of people rejecting me in some form, people not liking me, people not liking what we do here, people thinking we're not good enough, people thinking that what we're doing is stupid. I, I've, that's a dumb fear, but I have it. I'm a people pleaser in some ways. I wanna, I wanna create harmony, I wanna create, I mean, there's all these things that are in me. Sometimes I feel like an imposter. I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And when I think about the pain spots in my life, going all the way back to my junior high days, when someone would 
reject me and it would hurt and I still feel it today, even into an adulthood when someone has said something to me that that comment or that moment, it like echoes through the recesses of my soul, right? Like, I, I realized something. I realized that if I avoid that buoy in my life, if I avoid that point that God has said, hey, go deep dive right here. Here's what I've realized. I realize if I continue to avoid that, I will never become the person that God's called me to be. Because here's the thing. I know that with the territory of following Jesus, I know with the territory of going and trying to push back darkness in this world, that I will experience rejection. And if I'm afraid of rejection and it stops me from doing what God's called me to do, it doesn't only stop me, but it stops the people that I come into contact with. In some ways, it stops this church from moving forward in the ways that we're supposed to move forward. We can't let fear stop us. Amen. I have to understand that there is a, there is a flashing sign telling me this is where you need to deep dive. You need to deal with this. You need to take care of it. You need to overcome it and quit adapting to it. You have more in you. I'm speaking to you friends. It starts with you being vulnerable. It starts with saying, hi, my name is Scott and I'm afraid. Hi, my name is Leslie and I'm afraid. It starts with, it starts with us saying together, like, listen, I'm gonna deal with the fears in my life. I'm no longer gonna keep them hidden underneath the surface. Let's pray together, will you? <laughs> Would you stand? God, we pray. We pray that as we create a little bit of space and time, I pray none of us feel rushed in this moment, that we just take a little bit of extra time today to just sit in this and just allow you to minister to us. God, you have so much to say and so much that you wanna do in us. I pray that as we sing this song, that the Lord, you would just move in this room. Move in this room. Holy Spirit, calm. You know, as we sing, the prayer team will be here. This altar's open. We have a prayer, prayer team in the back, for the front. If you just want to come and pray on your own, you can. But it's time to go deep, friends. It's time to go deep. Like, Father, we give you this time. You're so good. Thank you for calling more out of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.